The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. You're listening to The Authentic Living Show, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, an interfaith school built to help you follow your dreams. And I'm your host, Andrea Matthews. If you're listening to the show, you found it by going to www.motivox.com slash voiceamerica and doing a search for Authentic Living, or you downloaded your desktop button so that you could have easy access to the show with a simple click. You may be listening live, or you may be listening to the archives on that website. Either way, look around my website there, and you will find links to lots of different ways to access me or to read my blogs. I'm happy to hear from you. If you have questions for upcoming guests, please feel free to email your questions to me at Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com, and I'll be sure to ask your questions to our guest. If you're listening to the show by podcast on iTunes, be sure to go to www.motivox.com slash voiceamerica, do a search for The Authentic Living Show, and check out the other shows in my archives as well as my links and blogs. Be sure to register for your free personal account. And today, we're honored to get the opportunity to talk with Robert Otto, a highly sought-after speaker and pioneering voice in the field of new thought and multisensory development. He's a writer, a teacher, and an intuitive life strategist, as well as an intuitive astrologer and author of Transforming Fate into Destiny. He's also the celebrated host of his own weekly radio show called Dialogue with Destiny. His groundbreaking work integrates an array of transformational disciplines of which he was an avid student during his college years, such disciplines as mythology, Christian mysticism, Kabbalah, Jungian psychology, Buddhism, Eastern philosophy, and Western hermetic teachings. He presents these disciplines together with his own intuitive abilities and his skill as an astrologer in an accessible way that has touched the lives of his students, listeners, and readers around the world. And so we're glad to talk with Robert today. Welcome, Robert, to Authentic Living, and thank you for speaking with our listeners today. Hi, Andrew. It's great to be here. All right. Well, let's just jump right in there. First thing I want to know is, what do you mean by multisensory development? Um, I think what that's about is learning to connect with a different way of understanding and perceiving our, our role of purpose in the world that comes from the world of energy. So it's about learning to hone and honor other senses besides the ones that we have, the five that we have that we know. As, a, as valid and um, accurate ways of interpreting uh, reality, interpreting our purpose here. Uh, so it's, it's about the skill of really doing some inner work to listen to that inner voice in whichever way it speaks to, to, to one. I mean, I think we all have a dominant kind of sixth, sixth sense that we probably rely on. 
but we, we don't know how to name it. We don't know how to develop it. So I, I think that um, it's learning to know what your dominant sixth sense is and learning to interpret how it speaks to you. That's what multisensory development is. Okay. All right. So I'm glad you used the word skill there because it absolutely is a skill at this stage in our evolutionary development. We're, we're learning about what it is and how it works. Is that right? That's right, yeah. I think we're, we're at a time of <clears throat> evolutionary tilt. There's a, a shift happening in consciousness in which the ways in which we engage our journey of consciousness as human beings is really changing so that we do now honor, you know, not just our survival drives, but rather uh, things from the soul, things that come from the inter- internal, immortal, omniscient part of us that um, guide us on the path and, and, and hold the code of why we're here. And, and, and the part of us that goes on after this, that, that continues on into other journeys of consciousness. So I think that the, right now is, is a crucial evolutionary stage where intuition and understanding um, how we receive guidance and, and honoring and how to listen to that guidance is very, very crucial for us to fulfill our purpose. Okay. And so what you're talking about is a deeper, deeper level of understanding life. And that the word soul that you used, I want to just make sure our listeners understand the way I interpret that is the same as the authentic self. So those words for me are interchangeable. And so when we talk about soul today, are you also referring to an authentic part of us that does go on forever? Right. It's the, it's the consciousness that is experiencing in this temporal world of that we call Earth School, uh, um, a, uh, an experience in consciousness as a personality through our ego. It's the authentic core um, aspect of who we really are. So whoever's listening to the show would be able to kind of connect with that by just sitting with themselves for a second and asking themselves who's really hearing us. You know, it's, it's some deeper aspect if you go in, if you just sit back for a second and think, well, who's really listening to the show? Um, you, you get a deeper sense of that core self, that deeper self, that authentic self, the soul, uh, uh, within there, and you can feel it, I think, if you just get silent for a minute and ask yourself, you know, who's really thinking the thoughts that you have? Who, what, what consciousness is in there? And it's something that really, and this is what mysticism teaches us, that you really can't language. You just know it. Right, right. And that, that inner knowing is part of that skill of being able to relax. We're going to talk some more about how, the practical how-tos of that in just a minute. But before we go any further with that, I want to sort of get a, 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 a definition from you of the distinction between fate and destiny. <laughs> well, you know, we, we have to first acknowledge that we are a fate-phobic culture. I think it's very important to understand that fate, fate has to do with limitation, has to do with something that's perhaps been predetermined or a condition that's put on us that um, isn't of our own choosing. It's, it's a sense of um, limitation, but we, we tend to look at this negatively in our Western sort of limitless philosophy that we have, and, and I think that's unfortunate because the reality is we have limits. You know, I have the limitation of my body. I have the limitation of time, um, energy. You know, I, we can't all of us go on for like a whole week with no sleep. I mean, we have limits as human beings, and what I think fate presents to us is a sense of purposeful limits. So each of us has, before we were born, forged a contract with, um, one could say, Earth School, the universe, to experience a trajectory of consciousness while we're here. I mean, the, the basic way you can think about that is, let's take a look at this and look at the fate of the family you were born into, the culture you were born into, the timeline you were born on. All of us made decisions at the level of soul before we came here that 
put us somewhere on the map on Earth in this matrix of creation. That is irrevocable. I can't decide, you know, I wish I was actually born in the 1800s instead of now. Um, I may have been in a past life, perhaps, but the reality is in this experience of time and its march forward, I chose to plop on the planet at a certain point in time, and that is purposeful, and there's a conditioned sense to that in my evolutionary process. Similarly, we, we, we choose families, we choose cultures, we choose our bodies, we choose these things as suitable vehicles to experience a certain kind of creative journey, if you will, in consciousness while we're here. That is your fate. Now, the destiny of that, the, the other side of the contract is to take the hand of cards that you've been dealt by the fates or by the universe and learn how to play, with, play those out. That's where you have free will. So we have free will in areas where we get to decide through the cultivation of our spiritual life how we are going to co-create within these limits. So it's very important to understand that these limits are there for a reason, and actually they're guiding. They can be guiding. And then we have to then flip it again and say, well, what about how we create our own false limits and fate ourselves? And there's that element as well. So all those players, to me, um, are in the mix within our soul contracts. We have fate. We have destiny. Destiny becomes how we work with our fate, how we play that hand we've been dealt. And that's where we actually get to choose our um, certain aspects of our journey and co-create. And then that's predicated by the kind of empowerment that we can handle in our lives. Okay. Now, empowerment that we can handle in our lives. What do you mean by that? Well, you, I think all of us are... We also have within this, this contract a soul, or what I call it your soul schedule. So each of us has uh, certain timing elements. We are, we are bound into this illusion, if, if you will, of time while we're here, which is very real. I mean, it, I think it's more productive to look at it as real than rather not real in this, if you want to get practical and actually live a full life. So that said, there's certain times when certain forces in us are meant to unfold into life and evolve into our life and co-create in our lives, and we're meant to awaken to certain aspects of our soul and our, our inner creative drive, and these impulses within need to be honored. And that is, um, I think, important in terms of the process of moving forward toward our fullest potential of destiny and learning to understand when a new force is emerging and how to let that be midwifed into our lives is equally as important. And so empowerment has everything to do with our capacity to let that power flow through us and requires of us that we stand as individuals within the context of the expectations of our culture, expectations of our family, and the spells we've been put under by our culture, our family, our friends, and media that tell us, for example, that we should want to be an orange tree when we're an apple seed. You know, and so we're all having to find our authenticity within this sea of creative experience that has within it a lot of other things going on than just as what's on the surface. And empowerment has everything to do with the capacity we, we each have to claim our highest potential, which is our most authentic expression of ourselves in the world. And the empowerment, I would define it as two things. Your, your capacity to stand as an individual within the context of your history, where you come from, and your family, and, and, and the conditions of your family and your culture. And then secondly, it's your capacity to stand as an individual in service to healing the same culture that may have wounded you or same family that may, may have wounded you. It's about 
individuation. So it's about harnessing a, a real strong sense of self that allows you to know your worth in spite of messages in your environment or from your history or whatever that have told you you have none. And so that's really, to me, you know, the, the, the essence of really invoking and, and engaging de- a destined life. Okay. And there's, as you already know this, you put it in your book, talked about the victim consciousness. There's a lot of us out here going, we don't have that kind of power. How do we right. Well, victus, victim consciousness is very pervasive in our culture. And let me, let me use the language of a victim to really demonstrate this. So when any, whenever anything happens to us, um, as part of our fate phobia, you know, that, that we think should not have happened to us because we feel entitled to what is fair. We will cry foul and say, that's unfair. And the next thing we'll do is ask who we can sue. You know, we're a very litigious culture, we're a very litigious society. And that stems from this victim entitlement that we carry, which says that life should be like this. Life should be like this, not like that. And we're entitled to this, not that. Um, and whenever you start to find yourself or anyone starts to find themselves saying that isn't fair, you want to just take a pause and know that the victim inside of you is speaking because that is absolutely the language of victim consciousness, fair and unfair. That's what the victim speaks. So, right. so we're going to come back and talk about that victim consciousness <laughs> okay. more right after the break. This is Andrea Matthews. We're talking today to Robert Otto. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. 
Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Robert Ohato. He corrected me on how to say his name, so I want to make sure you know how to say it. So uh, I appreciate that correction. And uh, we were talking just before the break about the victim consciousness that we have and how that works. So I want to see if we can say some more about that because I think that's real important. So here, here's the deal. I mean, when, when we're talking about a journey in consciousness on the planet, the reality is things are going to happen to all of us at one point in life or another, and again and again, perhaps, that are just seemingly not fair. I mean, we can watch um, really horrific things happen to beautiful people, and, and, and life doesn't work on this system of humanistic justice. It, it operates from a different template of what the soul's here to experience. And I think to get in harmony with one's deeper self-authenticity and soul You've got to, at some point in your journey of evolution, um, be willing to embrace that, hey, life's going to throw me a lemon, and it's up to me to to decide what I'm going to do with that. Is this going to fate me into more bitterness? Am I going to get bitter about this? Am I going to get hung up in this? And and then try to, you know, chase my value and making someone pay for whatever's happened? Or are you going to surrender to the deeper self and find a different way of working with challenges? That doesn't exclude the fact that sometimes, hey, you know, if someone leaves a pair of scissors and you after a surgery that maybe you shouldn't do something to make sure it doesn't happen again or, you know, advocate for um, uh, justice in some form or another through legal processes or whatnot. But we have gotten crazy with this stuff. I mean, it's almost uh, it's to the point where we can't just accept that life operates in a different way than sometimes we wish it would. And there's always, if you're able to let that go, that piece of entitlement go, there's always a silver lining in what happens, you know, and it's up for us to discover and then alchemize into gold, you know, whatever it is the lead of our life brings to us. Absolutely, absolutely, very well said. You know, uh, the other part of that, not the litigious society that we live in is one part of that, but also I see, as a therapist, I see so many times when people just sort of shut down and say, well, I'm trying to be sure I don't ever get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And that also is a way of sort of dismissing uh, the value that an experience has to give us. Right. You know, um, the only heart worth having is a broken one, you know, because then you know what your heart is. You know what it means to feel and you know what it means to honor the emotional life and the emotional aspect of yourself. And I think that for us to fully open to life demands vulnerability. You know, there's, there's, there's no way around that. And yet the, the instinct, the survival instinct, is to protect and self-protect. And, you know, if we've been victimized, to erect the wall or to be cautious. And certainly discernment is uh, an important thing in, in taking care of yourself and good, healthy self-care. You don't want to just start, you know, uh, starting a new relationship with someone who's hooked on crack. But at the same time, you know, we can get to the point where 
we do not allow our hearts to really beat and open to each other. And that's a part of destiny, you know, is to really connect and, and make sure that you don't let victim consciousness or survival fear or past experiences precondition your, your availability to the moment because that's all you have. Right, right. Again, very well said. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about how this happens. First, we hear a lot of people out there in the new thought field telling us that we're supposed to be able to conquer or get rid of the ego. What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, I love that question. You know what? <laughs> I am not in harmony with that, and I'll tell you why. Um, I don't think the ego is inherently a negative thing. Now, here's the issue, though. What is the ego? Let's define that first. The ego is the conditioned self. It is the identity that each of us carries with with ourselves throughout this life. And let me tell you something. You need that identity. You need to know. I need to know that I am Robert Ohado. If I don't know that, uh, I'm going to end up in the psych ward, probably, because there's nothing to contain me. There's nothing to give me a sense of self, a sense of identity, while I'm in this creative life of, of living a, um, a, as a human being on the, on the planet. So, well, the other side of that is that if I exclusively identify with myself as being solely Robert Ohada with no real understanding that I'm more than that ultimately, then I'm also uh, going to be in trouble because then everything becomes about um, the conditioned self and, and this external idea of power, meaning that my power comes from the outer world. It comes from the conditions of my outer world. I must learn how to control them. I've got to control life. I've got to be more powerful than the next person. I've got to control them too, you know. So then you lose sight of, of the balance. And the balance is coming to a center in oneself where the soul, the internal aspect of ourselves, is awakened to where we know, hey, we are more than these bodies, these identities. But while we're here, we signed up for this journey of fate and destiny to experience consciousness as Robert, as Andrea, as whatever. And then that ego becomes uh, a suitable vessel and vehicle for that experience. And then you realize that, hey, the, the ego is not your center of consciousness. That's the, that's the real problem. When people start to mistake the ego for their center of consciousness, instead of a, a, a conduit or a facet of another consciousness. So this whole idea of getting rid of the ego, first of all, it's never going to go anywhere. You know? And as soon as someone says that they've gotten rid of their ego, I'll ask them their name. And when they tell me their name, I'll say, you still got your ego because that's your conditioned self. How the name you go by, everything associated with it, your gender, your family, your genetics, all that's part of your conditioned experience of consciousness here. And it's okay. But I think we need to understand that dissolving or getting rid of the ego isn't the goal. The goal is, hey, let's get soulfulness infused within our, our identities. Let's become mindful because what the soul gives us is the truth that we're all connected. And then when we have that in our core and infused into our ego structure, then we make choices that honor we're all connected. We'll stop stealing from each other. We'll stop killing each other. We'll stop lying to each other. And we'll start creating policies at the governmental level that honor everybody, you know? And that's, that's what I think the, the sort of test is. Hey, are you going to create? You've got, you got a choice you can make every day how to create. Are you going to create through a sense of disconnection from your fellow human being? Or you're going to create from a sense of, I am connected to everybody. And every day, we're making decisions, whether it's judging people or even just the way that you drive in traffic, that honor that or dishonor our, honor or dishonor our connection to each other. And it, I think that's a simplistic way of looking at how to really live a spiritual life. You know, it's about honoring your connections with other, everyone else. So being respectful. Just this morning in traffic, some guy wouldn't let me come into another lane, and I got all upset about that. And then 
five minutes later, someone actually stopped to let me out. And it's just funny. I was watching this flow of, you know, where people orient within their ego. You know, I'm not going to let you into my lane. You, you know, don't budge over. That's ego. But, hey, let me stop. Let me, let me let you through because I can see you're trying to get out of this parking lot. That's the soul. And I think that's really important to understand how we, how we negotiate and navigate our decisions and our relationships to each other from that standpoint. The ego to me is, and I find it ironic because the people that say they're the most, you know, lacking in ego are the ones that have the biggest ones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I just think, well, gosh, you're tripping over your ego. I'd rather own that I have my ego and that I have a big ego and rather than trip over my shadow, try and act like I don't have one, you know, because that's when, that's when you do damage. Right, exactly. And we'll talk a little bit about that shadow because you've got an, uh, an anatomy of the psyche that you describe in the book that includes the shadow. So let, while we're talking about ego, let's just put that to in the equation. Sure. The shadow is the aspect of all of us. We all have one. That It, it functions as a, in a few different ways. I see the shadow through a few different lenses. One is that it is a repository of all the unclaimed or disowned or acculturated aspects of ourselves that we don't like or that we can't integrate because our family, our religious traditions, our, our um, perhaps culture or government even said, hey, this is unacceptable. We don't want to see this in you. So we shove it down somewhere. And it may be an innate facet of us that is also um, a huge participant and key to our creative life and our creative expression and our destiny. So we shove that away. And anything that's uh, authentic to who we are when it's shoved into the shadow it gains more energy and momentum and then comes out in some shadow form. And that can, that's, it can be very creative in how it does that. It can actually bring into your life people that act out that quality in your life, and you shadow dance with them, I call it. You begin to shadow dance with them. So if you have, for example, disowned anger that you've never, that is a result of you not owning your will and you being subjugated to someone else's will and you have all this unclaimed anger, but you can't acknowledge that you're an angry person because that's just not acceptable. Well, you might bring in people who are very tyrannical and angry in your life and that want to control you, manipulate you, even perhaps abuse, perhaps abuse you as a facet of showing you a splintered part of yourself. Because that's how we talk about this thing called the law of attraction. That's how it also works. You know, you attract in the unclaimed aspects of who you are. And they'll come back usually in a shadow form. Not always. Sometimes they come back in a very beautiful light form, too. That's the people you find that, that you, are, you adore and that you're drawn toward. Anything you have great disdain or perhaps great delight in, a very energized animation for, usually indicates that it could possibly be a shadow component that you're not really owning, and it's part of your power. Right. So the shadow is, is that it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, the sort of, I'm going to get a little, um, maybe press some buttons here, but it's just what's true. How in the United States, we like to think that we are the world's greatest country, and basically we kind of walk around, and to be patriotic is, in our, in our country, we've basically equated that with us not owning our own shadow. And I think there's a real vulnerability and danger in that, because it, we certainly have a shadow, because if we didn't have a shadow, Native Americans would be flourishing right now. Absolutely. You know, we came in and did a mass genocide much larger, much larger than the Holocaust, and it's never really called that, and it was one. Absolutely. And I think that's part of our own cultural shadow. So we, we as Americans, and, and just generally in the West, we have a hard time looking at our darkness. And we all have it, when, and just in different degrees. But to own it is to take the first step toward your soul, because underneath that is this divine aspect of who we are. You know? And to get to that, that's why I think any spiritual life must truly integrate into it a discipline of how to work with your own shadow. 
And that can just be, hey, I mean, let me tell you a little bit about mine. I am horrible in traffic. I mentioned driving earlier. That's where my shadow comes up. I just get so mad at people that don't obey traffic signs and cut me off. (laughs) I would drive too slow. I mean, I'm horrible. I know that's where I see my shadow, and it's an aspect of my uh, entitlement complex, I suppose, and impatience and all sorts of crap. All right, well, let me stop you there, and we're going to talk some more about shadow material when we come back right after the break. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, again, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school built to help you follow your dreams. We're talking today to Robert Ohato 
about his book, Transforming Fate into Destiny. And we were talking just before the break about the shadow and how it works. And I want to talk just a little bit about about um, the idea that the shadow is only our darkness, uh, because I think there's a lot of thinking about that when we talk about it in sort of pop culture. People talk about the shadow is this dark, demon, demonic part of us, and I want to sort of clear that up. Yeah, it's not. It's it's actually um, it's the unconscious content in us, and I think actually it's from the shadow that emerges new facets facets of our soul, because it's the part of us we don't know. It's like if you can imagine it this way, you know, trying to define and understand what we define as God, we'll, we'll never get there. It's it's a mystery on some level because it is. A mystery to itself, I think. So, how could we think that we're ever going to fully know who we are? There's always going to be a mystery of us, and and and, and yet we're goaded along in destiny to pursue our mystery, you know, and, and incarnate that mystery. But the shadow contains within it buried treasure. Let me give you an example. So, let's say you're growing up in a military family, and you're a, you're a, you're a man, and you're a boy, and your father, you know, is, is a sergeant, and basically carries that very disciplined, militaristic, masculine. Uh, mentality within how he raises his sons, but you're you're a boy that has the soul of a poet or the soul of a playwright, or you know just much more artistic and creative, and that part of you has to go underground because your father doesn't want to see that. Your father wants you to drop him, give him twenty. That party is going to go into the shadow. You know, it's going to go into the part of you that that is underground, albeit it's still you. It's your now become your buried treasure, and then a lot of times all of us have some aspect of ourselves whether it's that poet or playwright or um, maybe as a woman, you're an entrepreneur and that goes underground so you can be a housewife or whatever it is that has to go underground so that we can become acceptable to, to society, family, religion, whatever. That as we mature and become more empowered, we have to go back and mine. We have to excavate and get that treasure because it is an integral part of why we're here to be a service to each other. And so within the shadow is, is uh, beauty, is, is buried diamonds, and we have to go down. And that's part of what I think is, is part of a spiritual life, is going down beyond all these messages and, and layers of shame and guilt and all this other stuff, and, and, and you know, whatever our personality flaws are, go down beneath that and see you know, what, what, what is down there. You know? And this is part of, like Joseph Campbell would say, the heroic journey where the, the hero or heroine must slay the monster to claim the treasure. The monster is your past. It's the conditioned aspects of yourself that have held hostage the soul. Right, right, right. So we're part of the job is for us to figure out how to to go there and 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 defeat that monster. So in that sense, then how does somebody befriend the shadow? Befriending the shadow is 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 synonymous with befriending your soul and i think what what that requires is something that we're not taught and that is having compassion to see our darkness without judging ourselves so when we when we are taught growing up to be good people there's something inherent within that that says don't be bad or don't even think you're bad or don't even go near being bad so we don't have we're not taught a capacity to contain with compassion our, our shortcomings, our flaws, and still love ourselves. We think if we see something bad, we are bad. And that's the root of shame. Shame is an identification with the, something negative in ourselves 
that now becomes an, our identity, and we feel badly. And, and shame is an external, um, externally imposed um, dynamic. It's, it's we are shamed by something that makes us feel shame. Shame is not an inherent quality. Guilt is an inherent quality when we violate our soul's code. It's two different things. So when you look at the shadow to befriend the shadow, it does bring up a need to interrogate and question um, what you believe about yourself and whether or not you have a capacity to see something negative in yourself and still love yourself. And still, I always say that you don't really fully love somebody until you've seen their shadow and you're still around. You know? I agree. Could and agree. and same, vice versa. You know someone really loves you when they've seen your darkness come out and yet they're still there. You know? And that's, that's the kind of character and quality and compassion that we must begin to, to really engage for us to see our own shadow and then get to the treasure. You've got to, it's about compassion. And the Buddhist, and, you know, compassion, the etymological root of that word means to, means to encompass. It's about how much, what can you truly encompass and not judge? And the more you judge your psyche, the less it will reveal to you. You cannot get content from your psyche, from your soul, if you're judging yourself, you're just shoving it right back down. Absolutely. So you got to kind of, you know, sift through some trash sometimes to find that really great, you know, jewel that, that's buried down in there. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, so, so suppose that I'm um, on a mission to turn fate into destiny. How do I use ego, shadow, and uh, get them in sort of some kind of sink so that I can change my fate into destiny? <laughs> Well, in my book, what I, what I decided to do when I was writing the book, because um, that's obviously a fundamental question to transforming fate into destiny, was present some tools. You know, and, they're, and they're tools we've all heard before, but kind of integrate them into a new alignment. So the, the main thing that it first has to be assessed is that you can't change anything in your life without accepting it as it is first. I mean, that's, this is just a tenant of, of how we begin to move through something. You have to first accept that things are as they are. You can't change anything you're not willing to look at. You know, and so acceptance is so key, and I think it's so needed and missing in our lives. We, we're always trying to change stuff because we don't accept it, you know, um, not because we do. So acceptance is the first step in moving energy in your life and moving anything forward to move into your destiny. And the next thing I think is about assessing um, choice. So choice is a very complex creative dynamic, and I think we, we don't really – give it its due in terms of the complexity of it, because the reality is a lot of us make decisions that we aren't really making. Our culture is making for us. Our, we're under spells that we've been conditioned with that are making the choices for us. When we really move to a place of authentic choice, it requires a lot of discernment and differentiation between who we are and who we're not and what our values are. I always say people that know their values can make choices very quickly because you know how to align your ways of dis- distributing consequence in your life through choice based on what you value. Because you'll know that no matter what the consequence is, if it's an alignment and you made a choice from your authenticity, you're willing to accept the responsibility of the consequence. And choice produces consequence and excludes options. When we make a decision, we lose other options. So authentic choice for me is another element here and then there's, an, there's a sort of paradox within choice because spiritual traditions and, and mysticism oftentimes teach us that the ultimate choice that we can make is surrender. And I, I, is, I go a step further and say this is letting the soul decide. So if you're in a situation where you don't know what to decide, you surrender and you let the soul come in and guide you. And this is something that 
I think is a truism for me is that the soul always comes in and says, okay, this is the decision. And usually when we're confused on a choice, it's because we've got underneath that some sort of ego, soul, tug-of-war going on. And so it's about getting, it's the first step. Surrender allows you to admit the powerlessness you're feeling within that tug of war and get out of your own way and allow divine intervention. And one could say the higher self to intervene and say, this is the decision that aligns to your highest potential. So within that, I think the next step is to look at um, prayer, which I fully believe is a, um, a wonderful tool to create destiny through. But I'm not talking necessarily about mantras or uh, repetitive prayers that are said in, in perhaps, perhaps acts of contrition and whatnot. I'm talking about the capacity to dialogue with your soul and the, and the divine as you understand the divine. And that is needing some further breaking down because I think we can say ego prayers or soul prayers. And ego prayers usually have some common elements in them. We usually want to control people, <laughs> control outcomes, and we want things to go our way through the prayer. So, you know, one could say a prayer like, um, you know, God or the divine, I really want so-and-so to marry me and to stop being so um, stubborn. You know, that's, not, that's an ego prayer. Soul prayer would be, if it's meant to be, and if it's in alignment with the highest good, and if it's in our soul's contract, I would like to, you know, uh, make a statement of marriage through this relationship. You know, it surrenders over the outcome. You know, and, and, and it, uh, I think that soul prayers always get answered because with, inherent within it, is this sort of codicil that says, it's for the highest good I surrender to, you know, and whatever, whatever I'm meant to do, just show me. And then the law of attraction, which got a lot of buzz, you know, a couple of years ago, is something I think that we need to mature with our understanding of, too, because we've made it a false god, in my view. I agree. And I think what the law of attraction is just simply about, it's about an attitude of gratitude, and it's really more about holding the, the space in yourself for the highest potential through pos- positivism for outcomes to go positively in your life by harboring positive thoughts and affirmations. That's all it really is. And it's really more of a force and skill and, and power of the soul. This is not about the ego. So, you know, if we make vision boards that have all the things we want on the level of ego, you're not going to get them. If, not, if, if, there's, if it's not in your contract to be a millionaire this lifetime, to win a million dollars, to be famous, whatever it is, it is not going to happen. That, that will not happen unless it's within your fate destiny formula. So the point is, the way you can maximize your potential with the law of attraction is by holding the space of the highest potential and positive outcome in any circumstance. So, you know, it's not that you get so hubristic and think, well, I can control the flow of creation through the law of attraction doesn't work that way. Like I said earlier, the law of attraction also attracts to you your shadow and lets you look at that as a mirror. So those things are elements as well. Absolutely, and very well said. Um, we're going to take a break now, and we'll be back in just a minute to talk just a few minutes more with Dr. Uh, with Robert <laughs> Pato. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. 
teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit a-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final uh, segment of our show today, talking with Robert Ahato, 
And before we go any further talking about the subject matter, I want to make sure that our listeners have an opportunity to find out more about how they can connect with you. So tell us about that. Okay, well, um, I have a website, ohato.com. That's O-H-O-T-T-O.com that, of course, they can visit and um, look through. And there's a lot of stuff on there about what I'm up to. Um, I also have a radio show myself with Hay House Radio that airs every Thursday live at 9 a.m. Pacific and at 12 p.m. Central, I'm sorry, Eastern Time. That's tomorrow. Um, so those are two primary ways to actually connect with me as well as you know, the, the, what everyone else is doing now. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> another way to connect with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I also have some programs coming up in the new year. Um, I, have a, I founded an institute uh, in which I do some trainings for people to begin the process of deep uh, transformation as well as uh, learning the skill set that I have to do what I do with my work and help other folks out there. So that's launching in March uh, 4th of 2010, and information like that is on my website. So. Okay, so that's not already open. I thought that was okay. So I had a, I did it this year, but it's a sequential program. So there's three parts, and you know you can't start on the third part. You got to start with the first. The first one. It's a uh, three part series for next year that starts March fourth again. Right. Okay. And our listeners need to know that you provide in- intuitive astrology, intuitive life strategy, which is coaching. Is that correct? Right. Um, I call myself an intuitive life strategist. Uh, astrolo- intuitive astrology, intuitive archetypal astrology is a tool that I've pioneered and that I, I use within um, consultations with people. It just helps me kind of ground what's happening with, with somebody in terms of cycles and timing. And then there's also an intuitive reading aspect of that, just really getting um, information that is intuitive in nature as it applies to you know, one's, one's process and, and evolution and uh, connection, connecting and living purpose. So I, I use uh, both. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an uh, integrator, so I, I like to integrate a lot of stuff into, um, into my sessions with people, and I, I do that as well. And there's uh, in my, on my website a way to sign up and get that going if that's something, something someone would be interested in. Okay. All right. Well, that should satisfy, satisfy our, our ability to get in touch with you. So I want to go back now to the topic a little bit, talk a little bit more about the dialogue with the soul, because I understand that to be where the ego is actually having a conversation with the soul. Yeah. That's sort of funny, because the, re- the real reality is that, um, you know, it's all one. I mean, it's all one thing. It's just that we, it's the way that we need to perceive it, I think, when we're in this, these human bodies and in these the sort of con- the confines of consciousness that we incarnate into through the human experience. Um, but there is a need to begin an interior dialogue, which is really coming into the aspect of yourself that is in this world, but not of it necessarily. And that is uh, at the root of all mysticism, you know, that sort of singular pilgrimage to the self, to the, as you said, the authentic self, um, which is a discipline. It's something that you have to cultivate every day. You know, it's not something you just accomplish once and then you're done. I think it's an ongoing process in the same way that working with your shadow is an ongoing process. No one's ever done with their shadow. Uh, it, it's something that has to become kind of a lifestyle, a, a way of living, um, and a way of engaging uh, your, your, your path and humanity and, your, and discovering your own, um, your own inner, inner grace and how that needs to be brought forward. So um, that's the subtitle of my book, actually, Transforming Fate and Destiny, A New Dialogue with Your Soul, because I think as we evolve, we need to... We need to create new ways of understanding how to best work with our interior. You know, it's a crazy world right now. And it's an amazing time to be alive as as well as it is a perilous one. You know, we're going through an evolutionary tilt right now that is massive and unprecedented on this planet. 
So we need new models of how to work with our spirituality, our purpose, our empowerment. And um, that's why I wrote the book I did, and, and that's what I do. That's what I seek to deliver through the work I do above and beyond even the book, just, you know, as I can continue to evolve my own work. Right. And, you know, it brings me back to the beginning of the show when you said something about if the listeners will sit in the, sort of sit in the stillness, you can sort of access that interior world. Yeah. That it, but, you know, that's sometimes for, for, for some people, even though they are spiritual people and they, don't, and they are on a pathway of trying to really link with something higher, they don't, that concept of actually accessing an inner voice is foreign. Yeah, well, especially in the busy world, and also because we've made inner voices only reachable through religious paths, mostly. You know, we, we have to now understand the difference between religion and spirituality. Spirituality is um, the, the individual's journey to God, or, or their understanding of that force. And I think religion tends to be the group journey toward it through some sort of dogmatic approach. And the reality, at the end of the day, is you can't box in the divine. It, you know, we create containers for the divine, but... It's something that will never be able to be understood with your mind. You know, the journey to the soul is transcendent of the mind in the end. And I think we've tried to make our God very logos. You know, our understanding of God is very a logos, very mental God. And at the end of the day, um, it's incommunicable what a mystical experience is. You know, you just have it and you just know it and you feel that oneness and you feel that, that sense of, what the real reality is underneath all this stuff that we're, 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 we're experiencing as human beings. So it's an ongoing process, though. I think that's something that's very important for people to understand, and that uh, we have to be willing to step into... When you step, when, this is the thing. When you step toward the soul, you begin to lose the cultural coordinates you were born into, the family coordinates you were born into. Those things begin to slowly but surely fall away. And then it leaves you asking the question, who am I really? You know, if I'm not the conditioned self, ultimately, then who am I? And I think that's, that's the beginning of, of the mystical journey, you know, is to discover that and then come back into the identity that you're born into as your faith and live that out consciously and use it as an instrument of service. Right. And, and, and as we do that, we sort of drop the, the fear-based kind of uh, connection to the survival mode, basically. And yeah. Not that we lose that ty- entirely, but basically and come more into uh, living out our authentic self. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with survival fear. I mean, it keeps you alive. But Absolutely. at the same time, it, what we are challenged with is when it, when it is no longer tenable or useful to what the soul is growing toward, because the soul ultimately is here for experiences, not security. And that's the real oof, threshold of, of living a mystical journey versus living a survival journey. You know, okay. the soul is here to experience consciousness and experience its connection to everything. All right. Well, that's a good point to close out on. Robert, I appreciate you being here so much today, and our listeners have, I'm certain, benefited from what you've had to say. Uh, you encapsulated a whole lot in a short time. And next week, we're going to be talking to Beverly Lanzetta, the author of The Emerging Heart, to talk with us about global consciousness. And um, the end of our show today, this is Authentic Living. Henry Matthews, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.